0: Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. It's Tuesday, February 20th. Here's the midday news
1: from Lance Lucky. Tenants in about a million rent-stabilized apartments in New York City can breathe a sigh of relief. The U.S. Supreme Court says it won't take up a pair of challenges to state laws that cap rent increases on roughly half of the apartments in the city. Jay Martin is executive director of the Landlord Trade Group Community Housing Improvement Program. He says this won't be the last time landlords try and take aim at the laws.
2: We're expecting there will be other challenges, but this puts even more pressure on the legislature.
1: Martin says he wants state lawmakers to allow owners to raise rents on stabilized apartments beyond the annual increases currently allowed. But tenant advocates and the heads of the Senate and Assembly Housing Committees say that is out of the question. The MTA has a bright idea. It's planning to replace all of the fluorescent lights in the subway with LED ones. The agency says LED lights are more luminous and cheaper. Demetrius Critchlow is senior vice president for subways. He says riders will notice the change.
2: Your platforms, mezzanines and staircases will now be lighter and brighter. And that will give the sense of comfort that the system is more
1: safe. He says changing out all 150,000 lights across the system will take two years. He says lower power bills should allow the MTA to save $6 million a year. The first stations to get the new lights will be Bergen and Carroll Streets on the F&G lines and Clinton, Washington on the C line. 36 degrees, very bright out there this afternoon, maybe 40 or close to it. 30 overnight and mostly sunny the next couple of days, 42 tomorrow and 44 on Thursday. This is WNYC.
0: Stay close. There's more after the break. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of
2: X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You can just say stuff and you can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore.
0: Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's On the Media from WNYC.
2: Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. For WNYC, I'm Michael Hill. A new report finds construction deaths are trending up in New York City for the third straight year, even as they decrease across the rest of the Empire State. The nonprofit New York Committee for Occupational Safety and Health says 24 construction workers died in the city in 2022. That's the last year for available data as compared to 20 in 21 and 13 in 2020. With us now is Charlene Obernauer. She's the executive director of New York COSH, which puts out the yearly deadly skyline report. Charlene, let's jump right into this. Who's dying and how are they dying? Is there a common thread here?
3: Yes. Good morning. So what we see in construction fatalities in New York City are mostly deaths by height, meaning someone has fallen from um, height, as we call it. And most of the fatalities that we see are among construction workers, male construction workers. Average age is around 45 to 50 years old. And there is a disproportionate number of Latinx workers who die on the job. So um, Latinx workers make up one-tenth of the workforce, but one-quarter of the deaths on the job.
2: In 2022, the state increased the fine amount contractors had to pay any time there was a worker accident that resulted in a criminal conviction, but that's different from the fines of the Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA. What did you find when you looked at how OSHA uh, penalizes contractors after worker dies on its watch?
3: We had seen a five year trend in increases in 2022, but this past year we found that the fatality fine amount in construction went down from about 68,000 in 2021 to 59,000 in 2022, which is about a 14.5% decrease.
2: Why was there a decrease?
3: I don't know exactly why there was a decrease. I believe that a lot of the reasons why we see decreases is because of differences in the way that they are, you know, kind of measuring what will make a fine amount. But it's unclear to me exactly why. And that's something that the report, you know, really wants to figure out.
2: How's OSHA doing on inspections after the safety visits took a dip during the pandemic?
3: So they're still not back up to their pre-pandemic numbers. The construction um, fatalities really showcase that we aren't seeing enough in terms of um, inspections. But, you know, this past year we saw about um, 3,183 inspections, and that's down from 4,455 pre-pandemic.
2: Is that an issue because there are fewer inspectors of some kind, or what's the reason for that?
3: Well, one of the reasons I think that we see fewer inspection numbers is definitely because we have fewer inspectors and OSHA really needs to increase its budget. We recommend that they double its budget. Um, But of course, every year they just receive modest increases if they get increases at all. So we really do have to see proper funding for these enforcement agencies.
2: The report tracked the amount of press releases put out by OSHA, 13 issued last year. Why is that important to consider, Charlene?
3: Well, one of the reasons press releases are important is because they garner negative media attention for employers whose wrongdoings lead to worker injuries or deaths on the job. And they kind of serve as a warning to other employers who might be tempted to skirt legal requirements. So in order for the agency to hold bad employers accountable, they need to issue these press releases to inform the public and to inform you know, potential consumers as well.
2: Now we mentioned perhaps a shortage of contractors, a short of shortage of inspectors. But uh, on this issue, what does Nycosh, what does your organization recommend OSHA and the city do to improve safety and hold contractors accountable?
3: Well, one of the first things is that the Department of Buildings needs to be fully funded to do its job. You know, there was a report on the fiscal twenty twenty four preliminary plan for the DOB, and they indicated that they in their 2024 budget, um, they adopted 51 million less than its fiscal 2023 budget. Um, So this is to, um, you know, eliminate gaps. They call it the program to eliminate gaps, which is where they basically eliminate positions, including safety titles like inspectors in order to save money. And this is really, really not a good idea when you look at the need for enforcement in New York City. So one fully fund the Department of Buildings and continue to increase that funding so that we can see increased numbers of inspections in New York City. And then also, as I said, we recommend that OSHA gets a serious increase in their funding as well in order to properly do its job.
2: Charlene Obernauer of NICARS, thank you for coming on this morning.
3: Thank you so much.
2: we to OSHA for comment. The agency did not answer any of our specific questions about the report, but said it's committed to improving worker safety.
1: NYC, NYC,
2: A turf war is spreading through the Garden State. Artificial turf, that is. WMIC's Rosemary Mizdary reports from Montclair where a dispute over the turf it used for athletic fields has turned bitter.
0: Woodman Field in Montclair isn't much of a park at the moment. It's just a big pile of dirt with a chain-link fence around it. Allison Sargent has been living across the street from the park for more than 70 years. The trees that once lined the park were cut down to make way for a new turf field.
3: It really is a loss to the community on so many levels. In a town and in a state where we consider ourselves top at our environmental game, this is an atrocity.
0: A new $8 million synthetic turf baseball field is planned for Woodman Field this spring. But the town has paused the work. Furious residents are pushing back because of the turf's impact on environment and health. Anna Grossman is one of the Montclair residents organizing against the project. Synthetic turf companies are taking the garden out of the garden state everywhere. And we are paying for it with our health, and we are paying for it with our tax money, too. She's joined by residents from half a dozen neighboring New Jersey communities waging their own anti-turf campaigns. They cite research that turf fields can get as hot as double outside temperatures, creating a heat island. They're also worried about the materials used in synthetic turf. Research shows the ground-up tires used in the subsurface contain toxins that can cause cancer and birth defects. At a recent public meeting hosted by the Montclair Board of Education, parent Tyler Matheson spoke in favor of turf.
1: The fields at Woodman are substandard and dangerous. Multiple injuries have already occurred. And we all believe, many of us do at least, that we are one mishap away from a potentially catastrophic event.
0: But others, including the union representing NFL players, say turf actually causes injuries. They point to Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers' Achilles injury on the turf field at MetLife Stadium.
1: Down goes Rodgers in the sack for Leonard Floyd.
0: Dr. Sarah Evans is a professor of public health at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. There are very real increased risks of injury the way that the cleats or the shoes engage with the turf, that it may have less grip, it causes them to get sort of more of those twisting types of injuries. Across the Hudson River, New York City's Parks Department says it has 50 turf projects planned over the next five years. But a bill in the New York State Senate could put a moratorium on new turf fields, pending further research into their environmental effects. Rosemary Derry, WNYC News. Thanks for listening. This is NYC Now from WNYC. Be sure to catch us every weekday, three times a day, for your top news headlines and occasional deep dives. Also, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back this evening.
1: On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them because everything's connected and you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America wherever you get your podcasts.